Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode number 11 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And we are extra fired up after... The single greatest week we've seen this year in the NFL. We got a couple of Hall of Famers on the show. Dwight Freeney, who was just inducted into the Indianapolis Colts Hall of Fame. Mike Chirico in the WAER Syracuse Hall of Fame. The legendary sportscaster for NBC. Plus, more tales of woe you don't want to miss on fantasy football. And, of course... We put together, and I knew it was going to be the case, the worst week we've had in the best year we've ever had, picking games against the spread. I want to start with the best week ever in the NFL and how it relates moving forward to the rest of the way here in 2019. Week of the year, upsets galore, Miami second straight win beating Indianapolis and how Adam Vinatieri still the kicker, I'll, I'll never know. Adam Vinatieri, first ballot Hall of Famer, greatest kicker I've ever seen. Next sentence, Adam Vinatieri has cost the Indianapolis Colts three games, and the only reason he's on the team is because of the aforementioned compliments and accolades he deserves. Listen, Brian Hoyer's terrible, but, you know, and they're 0-6 without T.Y. Hilton when T.Y. Hilton misses a game because of injury, which is crazy but true. Vinatieri makes kicks. We're having a different conversation. That was crazy. I told you last week, even if the spread was 17, I was going to pick the New Orleans Saints over the Atlanta Falcons. That was an unmitigated disaster for New Orleans. Never in a million years did I see that happening. How about Tennessee beating Kansas City? That was wild. Patty Mahomes returned. I mean, my wife said, I view Patty Mahomes like he's the fourth Shine child. I mean, my, my love for Patty Mahomes. It's Jolie, it's Maya, it's Theo, it's it's Patty. And and he was fantastic. And that defense was deplorable. Dustin Colquitt, what the hell was going on there? That was that was wild. And then the blocked field goal with Butker at, at the end. That was crazy. Derrick Henry gashing that defense. I mean, it was it was just an incredible week. It was zany. It was the best week in terms of fabulous finishes, Buffalo and Cleveland. How about the Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys? Then we have the game of the year. And I thought Monday night was the best game we've had in the NFL all year long. How about the fact that it took all of overtime and Seattle wins on a Jason Myers field goal at the end of overtime? In terms of ebb and flow, I'm sure many of you could relate. There are moments I thought San Francisco was going to win by double digits. Then moments you thought that Seattle was going to win by double digits. The quality of play, the intensity on every single play, hanging on every moment, that's what made it the game of the year. I could not believe Kyle Shanahan. Could not believe Kyle Shanahan. 
decided to try to win instead of take the tie. Kyle, come back to us. And I love Kyle Shanahan. I'm on record saying coach of the year in the NFL. But after even the Chase McLaughlin missed field goal, and I couldn't believe that the announcers, you know, Boog and Tess were stressing that, you know, the moment was too big, 47 yards out. I mean, 47 yards out. He just made a bigger kick at the end of regulation to send it to overtime, 47 yards out. You know, and after they missed the kick, I figure, all right, it's inevitable. They're going to lose. But the San Francisco defense, which was phenomenal, held, and you get the ball back. You take a knee three times. If you tie, you're still in position to get the one seed. You lose, you can drop down to the five, and Seattle's going to be in the mix for the division. Love Kyle Shanahan, but that was absolutely zany. The defensive plays in this game, Clowney was unbelievable. Nice job, Bill O'Brien. You think Houston could have used Jadavian Clowney, the scoop, the score, the the strip, the sack. DeForest Buckner basically stole Russell Wilson's lunch money, just engulfed him, stole the ball to make it 21-18. How about the play Tart made at the end of the first half on DJ Metcalf? That was incredible. Both defenses sacked the opposing quarterback five times. Seattle forced four turnovers, and San Francisco forced three. Look, I don't think Seattle is as good as San Francisco, as talented as Green Bay or even New Orleans, but I have to recalculate and calibrate everything that I've thought about the Seahawks. I mean, listen, they they right now belong on that different tier moving forward with Green Bay and San Francisco and New Orleans any way you want to you want to juxtapose the order because with Russ and Bobby Wagner and Pete Carroll, they can win anywhere. They could beat anyone at any time. That's that's the beauty of these Seattle Seahawks. I don't think they're that great. Now, on the flip side for San Francisco, a lot of different ways you can go. You know, you can make the case while you kill Kyle for what happened at the end, and I will continue to do so. You know, they didn't have their best player, George Kittle. Emmanuel Sanders got hurt. So you can look into the crystal ball and say, all right, those guys are ready to rock and roll, and that changes everything for San Francisco. They've had injuries on the offensive line. I know Jimmy G was missing those aforementioned weapons, but Jimmy G couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And that was a regression, and that was a disappointment. As someone who believes in Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, the schedule is tough when you look at it. In the final stretch of the season, final eight games of the season, they have the Packers, they have the Ravens in Baltimore, the Saints in New Orleans, and they finish the season in Seattle. Listen, I think San Francisco is going to find a way to hold on and still win the division, but it is far from a guarantee. I mean, Kyle, at the end of the day, not running the ball, bleeding the clock, that could be the difference between a one seed and a five. A tie is much better than a loss when you're talking about home field. And home field matters when you're trying to separate yourself from from Green Bay and, and from New Orleans. And in this specific case, trying to hold off Seattle for the division, it's not exaggeration to say that's the difference between the one seed and the five seed when you look at it for for the NFC. But it is interesting shifting it all forward. I do think Jimmy G is going to be fine. He'll be better. San Francisco will get healthier. Seattle, I think, again, could beat anyone, anywhere, anytime. I was dead wrong on the Steelers, dead wrong on the Rams. Specific game or big picture here. 
Rams, listen, they're all banged up on the offensive line. Brandon Cooks concussed. He's out again this upcoming week. I thought the Rams were going to beat Pittsburgh. I said it was the best bet of the week on the podcast last week. I was dead wrong. Listen, I'm not ready to declare that I was wrong on the Minka Fitzpatrick trade because if Pittsburgh misses the playoffs, then my opinion is beyond spot on. But listen, Minka Fitzpatrick is right now top three for defensive player of the year. And I always kill Mike Tomlin appropriately so for his team not being buttoned up and focused. It's the best coaching job of Mike Tomlin's career. Pittsburgh's in the mix, but I don't think Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs. I think the Raiders are going to win 10-11 games. What a win for the Raiders. That's how the best week of the year got started with that classic on Thursday night. Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, that great offensive line. You look at Oakland, they've got Cincinnati and the Jets, so they're instantly going to be 7-4. and four. Take a look at the schedule, including Tennessee and Jacksonville, who they're competing with for the wild card at home. I think they're going to hit 10 or 11. I think that Oakland has a better chance of making the playoffs than Pittsburgh. Dallas, I mean, we've said it forever. Jason Garrett's holding this team back, can't coach his way out of a paper bag. Why on earth? Would you not throw the ball on second and third down when Dak was just shredding the Minnesota Vikings? And I love the shade that Jerry Jones threw at Jason Garrett, saying how smart the game plan was for Mike Zimmer and what he did, shutting down Zeke. Listen, Dallas, to me, has Super Bowl talents. They have one of the worst head coaches in the league. That loss to Kirk Cousins, who won in primetime. I mean, what's next? Do I start believing in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy? Pig's going to fly. Lesson for the kids. Anything is possible. I still don't love the Minnesota Vikings, even as great as Dalvin Cook has been. And he's been sensational. But it is going to be a wild ride between Dallas and Philly in the NFC East. I think Dallas is the better team. I think Philly certainly has the better head coach. Man, that was just an unbelievable Week 10. And what lies ahead in the second half of the season, the domino effect, this is why you love sports. We'll get into our picks for the week. We'll get into the fantasy. Coming up next, Syracuse legend Dwight Freeney is going to join us. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Sign on sports with Adam Size. Seattle has thrust itself into that top level. What Russell Wilson does on a week-in, week-out basis, no moment is too big, no opponent's too big. The fact that they're this good with that lack of talent, and if you're a Seahawks fan, you could beat anybody in the NFL on any given Sunday because of the dudes you have at the top. Sign on sports. Weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. I am extra excited about this. Joining us on the Adam Shine Podcast, Syracuse Legends, future Hall of Famer in the National Football League. And over this past weekend, he just went into the Indianapolis Colts Ring of Honor. My guy, the great Dwight Franey. Dwight, how are you? I'm doing good, Adam. How you been? 
I've been great, and it's so good to hear your voice. And first and foremost, let's talk about this honor with the Indianapolis Colts, the Ring of Honor. And you were on our SiriusXM radio show after it was announced, and you know the, you are certainly worthy of this. You had a Hall of Fame career, as I mentioned. You know, it's one thing to talk about it when you hear that you're going. The festivities on Sunday, seeing your name go into the Ring of Honor, how would you describe it? I mean, it's, you know, it's hard because it's so much emotions that go into that, man. It's, it's uh, something that you don't really think about. Like I've said before, it's something that, you know, I just put the blinders on and just play ball. And uh, now seeing my name up there, which will never be removed, you know, um, is something special. And then when they reveal it, it's just, you know, it kind of gives you chills. And Dwight, as you were getting into the Ring of Honor, I was thinking about this, and we go back a, a very long ways. You know, you were in college when I was in college, and then, you know, when I graduated in 1999, I stayed and did an afternoon radio show in, in Syracuse, a post-game show for football through 2002, February 2002. And the first time we bonded, it's when I was on the radio constantly saying, Dwight Freeney's going to be an NFL star, first-round pick. And you had guys on television saying you were going to be Corey Moore. Remember Corey Moore? <laughs> you, you remember him, Dwight? Absolutely. Great player from Virginia Tech. And you remember everyone was, oh, Dwight Freedy, he's too small. He's not going to make it. Do you flash back to those days when you go into the Ring of Honor? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of what's always been driving me all these years. You know, partially it's just, you know, in the end, I, I've always tell people, you know, it's, you know, someone tells you something, you know, it's up to you. You know, it's up to you to basically have it be true or not, you know, and you can use that as motivation, you know, go out there and, and, and just say, you know what, I'm going to define myself. And, and who I'm going to be, what type of player I'm going to be. And I always thought that it was silly, you know, the whole how tall you are, you know, by only a couple inches, you know. <laughs> it's as if that makes all the difference in the world, you know. And for me, it's, you know, having leverage is the most important part of football. And like I've said to you before, it's I had natural leverage. Yes. You know? It wasn't hard for me to get underneath guys and drive them back and do those things where for other people it was harder for them to do those things. Now, I was looking at some posts on Twitter. The Indianapolis Colts put some great pictures out. Now, unless unless I'm crazy, was that Michael Jordan hanging with you over the weekend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, MJ, he's a good dude, man. I, I've known him um, for a lot of years. I've known him probably – 16, 17 years now, you know, and I actually met him through the game of golf. Wow. He invited, yeah, he invited me to his golf um, tournament in the Bahamas way back in the day, 2003 or four. And ever since then, you know, we kind of, you know, created a bond there and I became like his little brother in a sense you know, and some of the little trips he'll take from time to time. And which is crazy is that, you know, I idolized him growing up. You know, it was him, Lawrence Taylor. You know, those are the big guys on my list. Like, you know, 
you cried when those guys retired. Sure. And then all of a sudden, I'm over here playing golf with them. <laughs> and, you know, it's just I, I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, and then and then I end up meeting Lawrence Taylor, my other childhood, you know, um, idol through Michael. And, like, all my dreams are coming true. You know, it's just an amazing thing, man. I've been tremendously blessed. What on earth is it like playing golf with Michael Jordan? <laughs> it's so funny. It's, you know, it's crazy is that, you know, as, and I understand it more and more now. As you retire, you know, you gotta have, you got to put those competitive juices somewhere. Yeah. You know? And when you're playing golf with MJ – you quickly realize why he was so good in basketball. You know, it's like, it's so, it's so funny, man. He'll all of a sudden just go on this tear of just can't missing a putt, you know, making 30 footers, 40 footers, you know, it's just like, can't miss. It's almost like, you know, he was on the basketball court again and, you know, he had that, that look in his eyes, like you can't stop me. Look, you know, and, I, and it's so funny. I've seen it on the golf course. I'm thinking, like, what is going on? This is golf. This is not basketball. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> have you have you ever beat him? Yeah, I beat him. You know, uh, it took it took me about 12 years. <laughs> i getting better. I mean, did you well, celebrate? Did you validate? What was his reaction you know, when you finally beat him? Oh man, when you beat when you beat him, you just kind of rub it in a little bit, you know, because he just. And the thing is, I hadn't been there that often, so I, it's not like I can act like I've been there because I hadn't been. So I think like the first day, you know, I, I beat him. You know, I mean, I, I we don't play for much. I ran over there, grabbed that little money that I was gonna get from him. Like, oh, get, get used to this. Get used to this old man. <laughs> That's incredible. How cool is that though? That he's at the ceremony you know they're taking the pictures you know he's he's there at the dinner he's the, you go into the ring of honor for the colts and michael jordan's there yeah i know it's just one of those things it's just, uh it's an amazing thing that you never even think about as a child like you know okay I, i'm thinking about oh i'm going to be an nfl player oh, i can have a great now all of a sudden you're Michael Jordan, your childhood idol, is going to be at your, you know, your your revealing of the Ring of Honor. I mean, no one thinks that, <laughs> you know, a completely different sport, completely different everything. But you know, I just like I said, I've been blessed, you know, being surrounded by some good people and and people that I actually idolize, man. Let me let me ask you, Dwight. I say Hall of Fame, and I mean that. I'm not saying that because I've known you a long time. You you certainly put together a Hall of Fame career. I mean, everyone thinks obviously Peyton and and Edge and and Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, the offense. You know, those Colts defenses they they were they got the ball back. I mean, and you sacked the quarterback more than anybody else. You know, do you start to daydream a little bit about having your time to shine in in Canton and get into the Hall of Fame? Well, you know what? When you have moments like this, you know, the Ring of Honor type of stuff, I think your mind naturally drifts there. And, um, you know, it will be, be an amazing thing for me to go out and, you know, have a speech prepared for all those who influenced me and helped me and get me to where I um, ended up going in the National Football League. You know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a special deal. You know, and, and I've always said, you don't get there by yourself, man. You get there, you know, with the help of other people. 
So that would be my opportunity if that day ever comes, you know, to really give thanks to a lot of people along the way. Um, but like I said before as well, you know, it's not up to me, though. So it's up to those who who vote and make those decisions. There's a lot of great players who are not in there, and uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to be the people who are in control. I'm taking a look at the videos this weekend. I'm seeing you and I'm seeing Robert Mathis and, you know, Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne. I mean, those were great teams. They were fun teams. I'm sure all the memories are flooding back. What were some of your favorite moments through the years playing for the Indianapolis Colts? I mean, I think there's, you know, the major memories. You know, I mean, you, there's so many, you know. I mean, I think that AFC championship game, you know, um, our Super Bowl year 2006, that was the game that everybody will talk about for years to come. Yeah. Um, definitely in Indianapolis. You know, it's it's the energy in the building was like none I've seen before. Leading up to the week of that game was – you know, the energy in the city was like I've never seen before. You know, we're at practice. We got cars honking all the way, you know, through practice. Wow. You know, it's just it, it was just one of those things where it can never be replicated again. You know, it's it's you know, I've been in the playoffs before. Um, we've lost before, you know, we've won before. We won after that. But that year where it was kind of like, man, you know, we get to this moment and we're playing the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game, a team that we've struggled with for so many years. Um, this is our moment. And when we actually achieved that, it was, you know, one of the best feelings that I can remember having in a long time. Wow. I mean, I have the chills listening to that. What was it like all those years going up against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Well, it it was always frustrating and 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 you know, it's gratifying as well when we win. Just the thing is, you know, what they do is is special. And what's special about it isn't the fact that they have special people is that they do ordinary things all the time at a high level year in and year out. So it's a tremendous amount of consistency. What a brilliant way to phrase it. Yeah. That makes them so special. It's just day in and day out. It's like, if you look at their game plan, it's not like they're coming up with the most exotic passing scheme or most exotic run scheme they just believe in what they do they do it on a consistent basis and they find little things matchups that they can take advantage of and the way that they prepare with Belichick at the helm they do it better than anybody you know and that's that's just what it is you know they've had and they've been doing it for a long time consistently where other teams are having a rotating door of coaches, they don't. So they have a blueprint that they've had for so long. 
really amazing, and it's such a credit to Belichick and, and Brady and, and what they do, that consistency. And, you know, it's not something exotic. It's just they, they, they keep it simple, and they do it better than than everybody else. You know, I would I would still make this case, Dwight, that the best game I ever saw you play was in Syracuse, 2000. Four and a half sacks against Michael Vick. I mean, yeah. that that still is an individual effort. They they still talk about that in Syracuse. That's one of the great individual efforts. You know, going. Mike Vick was amazing in Atlanta. Mike Vick in college was a different level. I mean, is that the greatest individual performance of of your career? I think it goes up there, man. I honestly believe, like, it, I don't know what came over me. You know, I just, that game, I was literally unstoppable. If you remember, like, that basketball game, you know, I think it's uh, NBA Jam. Yes. The guy got, gets on fire. He's on he's like, fire. Yeah. His hair is on fire. His legs are on fire. <laughs> it was that feeling. It was literally that feeling for me where – it doesn't matter when that ball is hiked. It didn't matter who was in front of me. It didn't matter who had the ball. I was making a play, and that was it. <laughs> it was like, it was just like. You I mean, know, you almost I, say it matter of fact, but I was there. I was in the dome for that. I mean, that's how it felt. Like, no matter what they try, and Michael Vick was special. I mean, th- this was a next level talent. Virginia Tech didn't have an answer for you. No, it, it was unfair. I mean, like I said, it was it came, it came. I don't say it came out of nowhere, but it, it was something that they weren't ready for. And it was, you know, the offensive tackle. You know, bless his heart, he had no chance. I was flying. <laughs> you know, I was I was flying. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I was. If they timed me in the forty that day, but I was just. I had something going on. Maybe it was just the magnitude of the game in the moment. Gave me that extra adrenaline rush that I I hadn't had prior to or whatever. But it was something special that, you know, it was one of those moments that you would always remember, man. I always remember. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. Now, you know, you're in the ring of honor in terms of the Indianapolis Colts. You know, Hugh in Connecticut might be in the ring of honor when it comes to callers for, for an Adam Shine radio show. And <laughs> and <laughs> Hugh, And as the story goes, you know, I'm living in Syracuse. You know, WFAN was my dream job going up, and I'm doing the afternoon show, doing the, the post-game show, and I get a crack. Eric Spitz is now with me at Sirius XM. I'm doing overnights, uh, driving from Syracuse to, to New York. And then, you know, I get promoted. I'm doing some day shows on the weekend. And it's a a July Sunday in 2001. And I get a call from Hewan, Connecticut. And he's like, Adam, I knew it was you. I listened to you on WSYR after all the Syracuse football games all the time. And I agree with what you've been saying about Paul Pasqualoni. Now on to the Mets. And all of a sudden, I didn't really think anything of it. All right, that's a flattering call. And it was your dad, Dwight. Yeah, he's something else. <laughs> he is such he is such a fan of sports, man. And he is just, you know, he's one of those guys where, you know, I'll be sitting around on the couch with him, and all of a sudden, 
he's coming in trying to tell me what techniques I should be doing. This is what film I should watch. You know, you should really check out this other guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> do you have to you say, know? "Dad, hey. take a breath"? Yeah, take a breath, take a breath. But he's, you know, he's somebody special, man, and uh, I love him to death. And uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's all in. Let's put it that way. I mean, he oh. call he calls me on on Shine on Sports. He calls me on the SiriusXM show all the time. But the best was when I after I left Syracuse, I was doing overnights. You know, your dad used to call at like three in the morning. And he would be ripping like Stefan Marbury or or Carlos Beltran. Is he still a huge Mets fan? Yeah, he's a he's a Yankee and a Mets fan. But I think now because the Mets have been doing so bad, he, he's 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 kind of like trying to find ways to help them out. You know, so he's more like he might even be more of a Mets fan right now. It's kind of funny. All right, that's good. Now I never asked you this. I remember seeing you at Media Day a couple days later, and and you said that you're like I don't even know what to say. Did you get in trouble for that? Did anyone give you the business, or is that just Dwight Freeney's dad? You know, you're you're the most dominant player on the team. It's just Dwight Freeney's dad being Dwight Freeney's dad. There you go, <laughs> Dwight Freeney's dad being Dwight. Dead. I can't control him. He's my dad. That's right. And he's in the ring of honor for callers here for, for Shine On Sports. Dwight, listen, as someone who literally has seen you play, you know, your entire career, I believe you're going to Canton. And I was so happy for you and your entire family. Tremendous, tremendous honor after a legendary career. Continued success in everything that you do. You know, and, and the fact that you're playing golf with Michael Jordan, I mean, that just takes the whole thing to a whole nother level. We always appreciate the time, Dwight, and thanks for being so wonderful here on the show and on the podcast, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Hi, right, man. Thank you. I appreciate all the support over the years, Adam. Dwight Freeney with us here on the Adam Shine Podcast. Mike Tirico is going to join us after this. Sign on sports with Adam Sign. The Pittsburgh Steelers have proven me wrong. With no Le'Veon, with no AB, Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, and the Steelers are alive? Dare I say alive and well? This is the single best coaching job of Mike Tomlin's career. Sign on sports. Weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Sirius XM Channel 82. We're absolutely thrilled to have our good friend, the great Mike Tirico, with us here on the Adam Shine Podcast, the outstanding host and play-by-play voice for NBC Sports. Mike, how are you? Major Market, Adam Shine, Network Radio. What is going on? How are you, pal? I love the Rick Wright reference. (laughs) I, I was just in Syracuse and saw Dr. Roosevelt Rick Wright for... The thousands of people have no idea the inside jokes that the hundreds of us are in on now. As Syracuse alums say, anybody who went through Syracuse for about a quarter century plus uh, crossed paths with a, with a larger-than-life character, Rick Wright, who would always tell guys who were uh, showing to and, and ladies some acumen that we could be in the business. <laughs> hey, major market. Major market. <laughs> and he's unchanged, and he hasn't aged a bit, and he looks great. One of the one of the special people all of us in the Syracuse family are connected with. But it's great to be on with you, and I'm so happy for all your success, man. So so love listening to you and seeing you and 
Glad you're crushing it. Oh, thank you, Mike. And I always appreciate your support. And, you know, the WAER family going back to our, the college radio station that you helped put on the map and, you know, Marty Glickman, Ian Eagle, and Marv Albert, and, you know, Dick Stockton, and, and so many others. You know, we had Andrew Catalan on last week talking about the, the love and appreciation for for WAER. I always get asked about Syracuse, WAER, Newhouse, what makes it so special. How would you put it into words? What makes it so special? It's a great question, and I've thought about it often, and I think it's multifaceted. One, it's keeping a tradition together that is now about almost eight different decades in the making, and that is college students traveling around the country, most oftentimes on our own dime or our own uh, schedules uh, while we're still in school, and getting to go cover Syracuse University sports and basketball, football, lacrosse, smaller sports to the nation. But that Syracuse is a very important one over the years. And we got the chance to cover it, and we were always treated well, and we took it like it mattered. So holidays, vacations, yep. breaks. I spent, I spent a bunch of Friday nights watching kids walk down to our campus street, Marshall Street, while we were there putting together a two-hour pregame show that maybe 200 people were listening to. Mm-hmm. Or I know Christmas breaks, driving up on Thanksgiving after dinner because we had a Syracuse-West Virginia football game the following Friday night. All those kinds of things. Uh, we did all, all of that, and it's been done generation after generation not to let the next generation down. We're trying to get our experience. We're trying to all, with a mind that we want to be broadcasters, get our tape, our, our best work so we could get hired somewhere. But when I was there, it was Costas and Marv Albert and Dick Stockton. And those folks would come back to Syracuse, usually one a semester, maybe two a semester. And they'd always be giving of their time and their talents to kind of give us, hey, guys, this is the way we did it. Let me hear your work. Uh, be supportive. Let you in the back door of some of the information of how to do this successfully. And I think each generation has passed that down to the next. You and Andrew and all the folks you talk about, Dave Pash, you all go back. When you go back and do that, I do it. Bob still, when he goes back, tries to do stuff with students. And I think that's the legacy of it. And that's why all the names you mentioned, and a guy like Bill Roth, who was the voice of Virginia Tech yes. for 25 years, Greg Papa, the current voice of the 49ers, mm-hmm. who, was the voice of the, uh, who was the voice of the Raiders before that, uh, who's called everything in the Bay Area. And one of the indelible voices, Dan Horde, who's the voice of the Bengals and of Cincinnati Bearcat football and mm-hmm. basketball. Jim Jackson, who calls the Flyers on TV on NBC Sports Philadelphia. There are just like a ton of people. The list goes on and on. And all of us started in the same place, kept the same tradition going. And uh, I, I, I beam with pride. As we sit in our viewing room for Football Night in America on Sunday, and we'll have iron on and then we'll switch the audio and then andrew's on on it and it's a day after watching mcdonough do a game and yep. moments do a game and dave pash do a game that that's what i think the pride of all of us uh comes from in what we do and how we all stay connected yeah you summed it up perfectly and you're right the impact of going back i remember when you know i was a student and you came back and talked to us and sean mcdonough and it's it's part of that responsibility and that family and that that sense of pride and 
You summed it up perfectly. And you referenced Football Night in America. I, I shot you a text a few weeks ago. Very the, nice. Thank you, buddy. The show is just, to me, Mike, right now, the gold standard for pregame shows, for halftime shows. You know, the, the chemistry, which you can't fake on a show like that, a pregame, a postgame, a halftime. You know, the quality of conversation, it's well-produced. How would you describe the success of Football Night in America? Well, well, thanks, thanks for the kind words. It, it, it's nice. We work with some great people. Uh, Rob Highland, who I get to work with as our producer for Notre Dame football on NBC and the Triple Crown uh, horse races, also works on Football Night in America. So we, we get sick of each other or we like each other. <laughs> and I, I love Rob's company. Uh, we, we've been on the show a couple of years together with everybody else. They've really embraced us and helped us uh, – it have have an impact on the show in a way to keep it lively. Adding Chris Sims to the show this year has really helped. Chris is a great football mind. I mean, he's got his his background as a player, his dad's background growing up around the game, working in the Patriots building and working with Belichick and those guys in his career when he thought he might be going down the coaching route. Uh, great, great input there. And Rodney Harrison and Tony Dungy. You know, I, here are two guys who you know Tony, I would say, is, is the vocal conscience of the NFL. If there's an issue that's a big issue, everything from social justice to, you know, should there be reviews on defensive pass interference mm-hmm. and what should 345 Park Avenue get involved in or not, Tony says things that matter without yelling or screaming, which is so extraordinarily rare in that job these days. Mm-hmm. And Rodney brings the same same kind of authority to the table. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but it's a guy who has won Super Bowls, understands the game, they all work. And we have a blast. We watch football for, I don't know, six hours together uh, on Sundays, and then we get on TV as those games are ending and just try to put it in context. And they're all uh, really good at that. It was interesting because there was a a bit of criticism. That's what makes the world go round, honestly, uh, from a writer in San Francisco that said he watched the show and it was 15 minutes of highlights, and some of them were repeated. Well, when this show was conceived back in the day, the late games started at 4 o'clock. So when this show came on at 7, those late games were about done. Now those late games start at 425, and trust me, I, I live this every week. They don't end until about 745. Sure. We're off the air at 812, so you're trying to keep the best highlights for the late part of the show. You know, people are joining. You have no idea when people are going to join you. And at the same time, it's a hybrid as a pregame show, too. You're previewing the most watched event in broadcast television every week, Sunday Night Football. So you're trying to jump into previewing the game, jump back to doing the highlights. So we try to find the blend. Uh, Hopefully it's the right blend. Some weeks it's heavier on highlights. Some weeks it's heavier previewing a big game. I know I love it because you get to watch all the NFL, kind of put it in perspective and set the table for that last game. And as you know, on a pregame show, uh, with what you guys do with tops on a regular basis, you can you can talk to your blue in the face about every game and not cover every angle. Absolutely. Uh, I, I like the fact that we don't have to spend the whole time on one game. We can just kind of dive into that big matchup. Which is great. I was surprised, Mike, by the ebb and flow of the game on NBC last Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I, I was genuine, on, on almost every level, surprised by it. What was your take on the game, and what lies ahead for Dallas and Minnesota, in your opinion, moving forward? Well, you know, let's let's go back to the drone drone level view of this. We've got an unbelievable last 
60 days or so of NFC football. It's yes. That's really 50. This is going to be something. I, I, there are so many games that matter every week in the NFC. You know, Minnesota comes out and controls the game. Then you watch, you go, okay, Dallas, there's no way they're going to lose this game. Um, I ended up picking Dallas before the game, thinking Dallas had just come through this spot with Philly a few weeks before uh, and played its best game. And I thought they were going to play their best game. And they didn't, they weren't too far off. I thought Minnesota just played better in the one area that I wasn't sure that was controlling the game offensively. Uh, that that's what sticks out to me. I, I'm a believer in Kirk Cousins. I have been going back to his Michigan State days. He, he has in big spots, in prime time, and even if you boil it down in the red zone, sometimes overcomplicated it. I think he's at a really comfortable place now where he's just letting it go and letting it rip. And I think that's going to give you the best Kirk Cousins with two good tight ends in Smith and Rudolph. Uh, when Thielen is healthy, two good receivers. And Dalvin Cook, who uh, Chris Sims said it on the show, Adam, he might be the best back in the league right yeah. now. When you when you go with their, you know, the one back, two tight ends, they're 12 personnel on the field, and it's Thielen and Diggs to the receiver, Smith and Rudolph a tight end, and Cook is the back. Man, that's good. That's a, that's about as good as good a you know, one back, two tight end, two receiver set that anybody puts out in the league. And I think this this is a team to to really reckon with here as we go down the stretch. And you reference how competitive, how congested it is at the top in the NFC. Mike, is there a team to beat in your opinion in the conference? No, no, there's not. Uh, that's what I love. I could I could sit here. Let's go through the overtime game on Monday night. Okay, the McLaughlin the kicker makes most of them. Misses one that could have won the game in OT. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Robbie Gold, does he make all of those? He had struggled earlier on in the year, but maybe he makes those in a spot uh, like that. But by and large, those two teams are about even, San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, I, I, I still believe in San Francisco coming out of the game. Do you believe in Green Bay? Absolutely. Yep. Do you believe in New Orleans? Even though they had the clunker against Atlanta? Yes, because anybody who knows the league knows how good that rivalry is. Mm-hmm. Can you see Dallas going anywhere and beating anyone? Yeah, I, I can. Of and course. You drop back to Seattle and Minnesota, yes, and I would not count out Philly and Carolina. If there's a team of those big nine right now in the NFC that I would be most concerned about, it's the defending champion Rams. I'm concerned about their offensive line. Uh, they weren't playing well, and now they're banged up up front, missing, missing a couple of starters going into the next – ball game on Sunday night against Chicago. Uh, they have not, on the offensive side of the ball, been able to put up the points just like blinking the way they used to uh, early last year, middle of last year. So of those nine teams, and I'm keeping Chicago on the outside for the moment, the Rams are the ones that I currently have the most concern about. And I think I could justify any of the other eight going to any of the other eight and winning on the road. And yeah. that's why I that's why I said what I said before. I think the next, you know, whatever we have left, seven weeks here, I, I think it's going to be phenomenal in the NFC. I didn't see Chicago getting back to the playoffs. That was one of my bold predictions this year. Mm-hmm. But, Mike, I, I didn't think the season would be over, in theory, before Halloween. When, when you look at it, as you get set for Sunday night football, and anytime the Rams, Bears get together, it's always fun. And listen, Chicago still has the, the star power and the signature players on defense. What has happened here when you look at, you know, we could talk coach, we, we could talk Trubisky. What, what, in your opinion, what's happened to the Chicago Bears? Yeah, they had a great mix at running back. They broke that mix up, and it hasn't been the same. Montgomery has done well. 
Tariq Cohen scored last week. It was the first time he scored since week four. So we've kind of missed that little explosiveness. The receivers haven't been dynamic, and Trubisky struggled. They've had so many three and outs in the first half, or technically accurate drives without first downs, uh, because you can have a turnover on second down, so sometimes it's not always three and out. They've had they've had a lot of those in the first half, and they've been coming from behind the eight ball. And their defense has not been at that dominating level that we saw it as the year went on last year. So I think it's a little bit on both sides, but it does trace back to Trubisky, uh, you know. And and when when you're a head coach and a play caller, and you're not calling plays to attack, but you're calling plays to get your quarterback going, that's a problem. That's a great and way to phrase it. Yeah. Trubisky just hasn't gotten going, and now you know now you've gone from coach of the year to Matt Nagy trying to figure out how do I get my guy going here on a regular basis. But but let, let me just point this out, and I I see where you were going with Chicago. I, I said that that was the toughest division in the league going into the year, and I thought the twelve games amongst those four teams, Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, would be the best group of division games all year. Mm-hmm. Now Detroit with the, Detroit with the Stafford injury and their struggles on the defensive side of the ball, which is the one thing I missed in this division. Uh, They may not be playing that out. But Chicago, if they can go to L.A. and beat the Rams, Adam, they play the Giants at home, and then they go see the Lions on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's interesting. In a really short stretch here, in an 18-day stretch from this Sunday night to Thanksgiving afternoon at 4 o'clock when you're sitting down to eat, they could be seven and five going into December, knowing that in December they play Dallas, Green Bay, and Minnesota. So that's going to be really tough because Green Bay and Minnesota are on the road. I'm just telling you, they're going to have a chance if they can win these next three games. If they can get Sunday night in LA and the Rams are hurting up front, which means you know Khalil Mack should be ready to roll and have a big impact on the game like Jadevian Clowney had Monday night for Seattle. If he can do that and wreck that game and they get to 5-5 five and five, and then they follow it up with the Giants in Detroit, then they're going to be right in the conversation going into December. Mike, you're the best. We'll be watching on Sunday night as we always do. And listen, we always appreciate the, the support, the words. I know I speak on behalf of every WAR in Syracuse alum when I say thank you for everything, and we appreciate the time on the podcast, Mike. Well, that is super nice of you. Keep it going. Love watching the show early on Sundays. Love hopping in the car when I'm home and listening to you uh, during the week. We're uh, we're so proud of all you're doing. If you can just take a day off and leave a gig for the rest of us, <laughs> we, we we would all, you know, the holidays are coming. We'd like to buy a gift or two for the people we love. So uh, uh, all the best, Adam. Thanks, man. Mike, you're the best. Mike Tarico. For more of me, Adam Shine, and who doesn't want more me? I love me. You can listen to me on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports. We always get the best guests. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry. I mean, we live for this. Best guests in all of sports talk radio, best callers. It airs every weekday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. You can also listen to the radio show on demand with the SiriusXM app. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. I had the worst week I've ever had picking games against the spread. I, I knew that was going to be the case because I told you last week I liked all the favorites. I went 5-7-1. and one. Bob Stew, the Thursday Night Jinx, is back, which we knew. 4-8-1. and one. 
Mikey Fitz, who's with us every week for the podcast and with us as our associate producer on Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Mike won the week last week at 7-5-1. I am 80-66-2 on the year, which is pretty amazing considering I went 5-7-1, and that that's pretty tremendous. 14 games over five hundred for the season. All right, Bob. I decided I'm going to let you go first. I mean, you had a bad week. I went four eight and one. <laughs> I, I mean, Bob Bob still can't stop talking about him. Ugh. So, since you always get it wrong on Thursday, <laughs> two and eight on like Thursday this. night football. Who are you picking? Oh, I got to go with the Steelers. Come on, I've been on the Steelers train all season. I've been ahead of the curve on the Steelers. And what are we having now? Cleveland to three? No, it's Cleveland two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Great news. I'm going to grab Cleveland. Great. I I was on the fence, but I figured what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you go first. Of course. Whatever you pick will be wrong, (laughs) and then I will grab the other team. I don't understand how Cleveland's favored in this game. They're at home. Yeah, I get that, but they're not They have more talent. They have a better quarterback in theory. Yeah, but the coaching matchup. Not even close. It's not even close. This is the best coaching job of Mike Tomlin's career. I have destroyed him in the past for being a coach who's not focused, not buttoned up, but he's done a hell of a job against all odds, dealing with adversity, dealing with all these injuries. All right, Mikey Fitz, you get a chance to break the tie here. I've got Cleveland. Bob has Pittsburgh. You went seven five and one last week, seventy six seventy and two on the year. Who are you picking on Thursday night? I'm going to roll with Bob on this one. It's weird. I know Bob you on Thursday night. You can't roll with Bob on Thursday. It's against my better judgment, but I do think the Steelers are going to be able to do a good job against this Browns offense. They're going to be able to turn them over a couple times. I think Minka Fitzpatrick's going to have an impact on this one. I like the Steelers. Now, you have picked Miami to cover every week except one, which is crazy. Crazy. My Buffalo Bills, what do we have it at, Bob? Five, five and a half? It's at five and a half right now going into Miami. Okay. You're not taking the Dolphins this week, are you? Of course I am. I think they're going to be able to keep it close against Buffalo. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Patrick, he's going to have a good game against this Buffalo defense. I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I really like the Dolphins to keep it close. Maybe not win, but they're going to keep it close. It's been pretty bizarre, actually. The Dolphins have played competitive football for a month. A full month. They've been in every single game. They've actually looked like a team. They're legitimate. Legitimately a team. <laughs> not they're playing they're... hard, Bob. You're <laughs> right. Brian Flores has done a hell of a job. I just think Buffalo coming off a loss... Yeah, I would Love be. Ro- the Bills. I'm going to roll with the Bills too in that one. Okay, yeah. you tried to set it up like you were taking Miami. Hey, but the Dolphins—you got to give them credit. They're in every single game, and their plan is great. I don't want to hear that they're ruining the plan. Players like playing for Brian Flores. He's a heck of a coach. You're going to have oodles of draft picks, cap space, three first rounders this year, a couple the year after. You know they're going to be in position to own the first round, second round. And they're still going to get their quarterback. Heck, if Joe Burrow goes number one, yeah. you can still have the Miami Dolphins take it to her. Well, look what the Jets did when they traded up with the Colts to get Darnold at three. The Dolphins have all the draft capital. They own the draft. They can easily move up to get their quarterback. All right, the only other game that matters, dealing with the draft, Washington at home favored oh. by one and a half against your Jets, Bob. You just driving a stake through my heart? Yes, bringing that's this game the goal. Up? Just driving a stake right through my heart with the Jets? Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe the Jets are underdogs going into Washington. Jets are going to win the game. I'm, I I don't know if the Jets are going to win the game. The Jets, no cor- they have no starting corners. All four of their starting linebackers are injured. Leonard Williams plays for the Giants. The defense is a train wreck, and the offense is somehow worse. 
I think the Redskins off the bye, the Redskins with that defense should win that football game at home. Fantasy football, next. Adam Shine, fantasy football legend. All right, I dug deep into the numbers for the Shine kids and the fantasy because, frankly, I thought maybe it wasn't believable. Shine girls are learning something about fantasy football. So they lost to our good friends, the Ackermans. They lost 90 to 80. 90 to 80 this week. 90 to 80. Again, no defense, no kicker. Quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, tight end. Emmanuel Sanders got hurts. Emmanuel Sanders. So I looked this up as they fall to three and seven on the fantasy season. The Shine Girls and Theo, but they they the girls put all the work into this. All the work into this. We have scored. 852.7 points. That is good enough for third place out of 12. Three out of 12 in points. Points against this year for the Shine Kids, 971.7. 971.7. And this is what makes fantasy football so frustrating and so fluky. Now, a couple of these games, bad lineup decisions. You know, we've been through the Jimmy Graham debacle. Maya insists on, you know, drafting Julian Edelman, loves Edelman. You know, I, and by the way, he's had a fine year. You know, the Mahomes injury, that wasn't great. So that's where they're at right now, 3-7. and seven. But I told them this is how, how it works. But this is why, I have to tell you, I like the DraftKings much more than than these other leagues. Well, that's because you're winning. Well, I mean, DraftKings was a nightmare this past week. Oh, no. This was, this was the second worst week of them all. Oh, you know, and it's one of those where it's funny. Like, I've learned, like, every week there's always the what if, right? What did I say last week? I, even though I kept it, whatever I said on the podcast – I said I'm going to keep it. I'm going to do it, right? So Drew Brees, <laughs> Michael Thomas, that no. obviously didn't work. A Thomas was great. Brees was dreadful. Yeah. My other option was Christian Kirk and Kyler Murray. Ooh. And you take, but but again, I'll give you another one where I was dying to find a way to put this guy into my lineup, and that's why I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Cooper Cup. Yeah. Cooper Cup was, was a zero. That was a luck. A lock. He was supposed to be great. A lock. He crippled me in multiple fantasy An absolute lock. He did nothing. Ugh. It is interesting. I love Aaron Jones. We I've started him with my buddy Stone two out of ten times this year. The two worst games he's played. Ugh. Only two bad games. The Chargers and the Lions. So this past week against Carolina, of I course. thought about him and he scores three touchdowns. All right, so who, who should I stack this week? You got to look for the bad defenses. I don't want to give you PTSD here, but man, that Saints-Bucks matchup. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. Why did you got to get back on the horse? Get back on the horse? The Bucks are literally the worst in terms of passing defense. Yeah, you're right. The Saints should bounce back. The over in this game is 50 and a half. You know touchdowns are going to be scored. Well, there's another. I actually also like the Monday night matchup. Kansas City and the Chargers. I mean, do you go with with Patty yeah, and Tyree well, Kill? The problem with the Chiefs is pricey, though. But it's not even that. They just have so many options and so many weapons. You're kind of just throwing a dart and hoping that Pat's going to be targeting 
Tyreek Hill, as opposed to just hitting Travis Kelsey for three touchdowns. Of course, Stone texts me during the games, you know, murdering me about Drew Brees. Let the record show that I send him the lineup every Saturday, and it looks great. I have the text right here. Looks great. Love Brees and Thomas. You know, around 3 o'clock on Sunday, he's he two things. Number one, going ballistic about the officiating in the Jets game. Of course. Of course. Of course. And number two, murdering me about Drew Brees. Like, like all of a sudden, you know, starting Drew Brees was a bad play. No, it didn't work. Nope. I, it was the right play. It's life. Yeah. It's just a tough life when it comes to daily fantasy. Here's what's on Shine's Mind. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Mike Tarico, the legendary Mike Tarico, incredible. Dwight Freeney, the legendary Dwight Freeney, incredible. Bob Stew, incredible. Mikey Fitz, incredible. Thanks for our listeners on SiriusXM On Demand, our listeners on Pandora. Thank you to our listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button, leave a review if you love the Adam Shine Podcast. And of course you love the Adam Shine Podcast. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports with Tears, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Sirius XM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. Touchdown! For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, Sirius XM 82. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.